Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to another edition of the Data Protection Gumbo podcast. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today we have a guest on who uh, is going to give us some information about a very important topic around identity orchestration, and his name is Eric Olden. And uh, Eric is the co-founder and CEO at Strata Identity, and he's widely recognized as one of the architects of identity management on the internet. And he also created the first single sign-on product for web applications, also launched the first identity as a service company, and co-authored the ubiquitous SAML Identity Federation Standard. So, uh, as I said, he's the CEO and founder of Strata. And Eric, welcome to the gumbo. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Demetrius. All right. Yeah, really uh, would love to dive into this topic with you because conversations that I've been having over the last uh, few few weeks or so is strictly around how can organizations and also businesses keep continue to keep their data safe and it's not a matter of <laughs> if it's going to happen it's a matter of when it's going to happen because uh, as you know um, the risk the environments out there now and the it's becoming more ubiquitous around attacks and cyber cybersecurity is just a really vast field so what have you seen i know you've been around a while and uh, you've seen a lot of changes in the past few years and and how has the identity landscape specifically evolved uh, from your perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think when I got started in identity, it was with my first company, and that was back in uh, the late 90s at a company Securant. We built a product called ClearTrust. And in 98 through 2001, we were helping enterprises move to the web. And they were trying to figure out how to secure their websites and to manage these now potentially millions of users. And um, at the time, we called it web access management. And now we think about it as identity management. But from my seat, that's where um, it really kind of culminated the pre-identity identity market. Some cool things happened in the late 2000, early 2001 timeframe with federation and uh, to be part of the SAML movement. That was a lot of fun. But really, that opened the door to connecting organizations in a secure way. And so that kind of second chapter in identity of federation uh, then led to, well, what, what do you do if those identities are needed to secure access to SaaS applications? So what's been happening is the users have left the building and then the applications left. And so now you've got the situation in this third wave after SaaS, which is cloud. And cloud is, at, by very nature, multi-cloud because you've got the new stuff out there, the Amazons and the Azures of the world, and then you have your own prem private data center, private cloud. So 
um, seeing how identity has evolved across those really those three waves uh, has been really interesting and it has gotten more and more distributed more and more a matter of where do you manage your users when they're all over the place and that really set the foundation for uh, zero trust architectures where everything's authenticated consistently and there's new ways and new problems to think about uh, how you manage identity in these sprawling distributed environments. So at a long, long point of view there, but that's uh, that's what I've seen. Okay, nice. And you, you mentioned zero trust, and it's, it's been a conversation, that, and, and that word has been thrown around a lot. Uh, you know, everyone or a lot of uh, companies uh, throw around, yeah, we are zero trust and we have a zero trust architecture and and all of these, this zero trust uh, language uh, per se. Is there a specific topic or specific components that you see around zero trust and maybe what's your formula for zero trust? Yeah, I think you, you bring up a great point, Demetrius, and I think it's gotten overloaded, like most terms that have a, a lot of momentum and excitement around it, it's a little overheated. But when you peel it back and you look at what in the core is going on there, um, you've got the, the way I define it or the way I think about it is that when you have a relationship between a user, an application, and data, whenever a user is going to try and access the app and the data within that application, every time that that request happens, you want to authenticate that user. And you want to make sure that the communication between the user and that application is encrypted and ensure that it's private. And this is more important than ever when you've got users who are not behind the confines of the traditional firewall perimeter. And with all the remote work and people working from home and working from, you know, the airport and different places, there's no perimeter there. And so you have to think about the perimeter, what those protections of access control and authentication, you have to do those in a new way in this new distributed world. So people call that architecture zero trust. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of power to it because you need something like that, given the state of architectures today. Okay, got it. And you you throw in like a sprinkling of MFA, multi-factor authentication, and what is it, least privilege access? I mean, there's a ton of different terms that we can throw around uh, when it pertains to you know security controls and also just you know making sure that an environment is is secure to the best of the ability <laughs> because there's so many vulnerabilities out there. There's so many systems, whether they're virtual or physical, that needs patching. And you, know, you have to keep up with uh, what's what's going on in the world because it's all 24-7 now. <laughs> the world is flat, as Thomas Friedman said, because if it's connected to the internet, then it's opportunity for someone to to sneak in, right, <laughs> uh, from that perspective. Now, I, I want to get your perspective on just keeping in compliance with some of the regulations that are out there. Obviously, you you know about GDPR uh, from an from a EU perspective and maybe CCPA, which is strictly California. And then there's other states that have jumped on and they have their own individual statewide regulations as well. Um, how can organizations remain 
I guess, in compliance with some of these regulations and especially like CISA uh, in a multi-cloud world? Yeah, well, I think you're you're absolutely right that the compliance world is in the regulatory world is super complicated, very fragmented, a lot of similar but yet different and distinct things going on all at the same time. And I think when you boil it down to the things that are common across all of these regulations, most importantly, it's having a policy and having a way that you you think about it and being deliberate and saying, you know, this is the policy for how we manage access to this data. And you need a policy to show that you have enforcing controls because when an audit happens, those are the first questions people have is like, show me your rules and then show me that the locks are working and that you can enforce them. And then you think about some of the um, interesting things that, as you mentioned with multi-cloud, one of the things that I think is really interesting in the cloud era is that even when you are a company maybe based in Colorado, for instance, and uh, I think, hey, we're an American company and we have mostly American, oh, wait a minute, we also have Canadian employees. And so all of a sudden, we're, our identities that matter to the company are multinational. And so when you start to scale companies up and get into uh, really enterprise scale, now you've got customers, you've got employees, you've got partners, you've got identity data from different countries that is needs to be managed. And so there's some interesting uh, data residency concerns that okay. come up with multi-cloud. Mm, like, and sovereignty, maybe. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And so you think about a use, if you have European customers and you want to have their identities because they're you know, medical information or something like that, that's relevant, that can't leave the EU. And you also may have American customers whose data has to stay in the US. So there you've got two clouds, two different locations, two sets of identities. Well, what happens if you need those, if those same identities to access the same portal, the same application? So now you start to play this backwards and you go, wait a minute, we have to keep them in the certain geographies that allow us to be compliant with things like GDPR and so forth. And we need to get them access to a common set of applications. And so orchestration has been a really powerful way to do that because with identity orchestration, you can integrate those two different identity providers in their different countries and allow them to log in and access the same application. So yeah, it's a way to kind of split the location across different clouds of those identities into the identity uh, providers themselves. Pretty powerful. Okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And, and I guess I should have started, you know, just from, from ABC, one, two, three, like what is identity orchestration just for the, the gumbo listeners to make sure there's a baseline for what is identity management and identity orchestration and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a new category. And, um, you know, I like to tell people what we're doing with Strata is building the VMware of identity. And I say that because when you think about what VMware did with virtualization, 
is they created an abstraction layer that said, hey, it doesn't matter if you're running on a Dell machine or a Sun machine, the VMware hypervisor is going to be an abstraction layer, so you don't have to care about hardware anymore. That was a huge thing for so many people. Well, what we're doing with identity orchestration is similar in that we create an abstraction layer that sits on top of all of the different identity providers that you use today and kind of gives them a plug and play way to make them all work together. And so you can plug in different cloud IDPs, Okta and Azure Active Directory, right? I was going to ask that. Yep. So, mm -hmm. you know, we don't compete with these identity providers. We're the layer that brings them all together. No, you know, very similar to how VMware didn't compete with Sun. You know, they just needed a place to run. So they made VMware run on Sun and run on Dell and all of that. So for us, it's a symbiotic relationship and the it's all in service of what the customer wants to do with it. And when you bring all of the different infrastructure components together, we call that an identity fabric. And that is a name for that kind of the foundation on which identity orchestration sits. So when you integrate all these different identity providers and could be on the cloud, could be on-prem, everywhere all at once, then the next step is on top of that, at runtime, the ability to orchestrate a user's experience as they go between the browser and the web application. And it may seem like a um, kind of a simple thing, but it's really quite sophisticated because what we do with this technology, it's called an orchestrator. It's a, think of it like a, a server, if you will. Works like a proxy, can do things like be an open ID connector, uh, can also do things with SAML and so forth. So you don't proxy everything, but it's a piece of software that when a user goes with their browser to access an application, the traffic, the request goes through the orchestrator. And that orchestrator then says, okay, I've been programmed with a policy to enforce, and I'm gonna send this user to a multi-factor authentication system, right? Do a face scan. And if that works, then the next step, I'm gonna check access control in Okta. And so the orchestrator asks Okta, can I let this user through? And maybe the last step is authorization, where we wanna take information about Eric and pull it from different attribute stores and then feed it into an authorization system to get a response to say whether or not I can create an account. So all of those the, the potentially elaborate steps that people go through as they're accessing an application, that's what orchestration is doing. And the orchestrator is talking to that identity fabric. So new concept, two parts, identity fabric is the platform and the orchestration um, sits on top of that. Think about almost like Terraform, Terraform, but for identity. Hmm. That's that's a very um, very cool explanation. And as you your first couple sentences, uh, I started thinking like, how does Okta like is that a competitor or is there like the symbiotic relationship? So you answered that question as well. And then you mentioned a new category, right? Now is this something that Gartner? has written about and like cool, cool vendors, or is, is there maybe any uh, research out there that Gartner or Forrester or IDC or any of the other analysts have uh, written about from that, from that perspective as a category? 
Yeah, yeah. And coincidentally, uh, Gartner named us Cool Vendor two years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. And, and no, th- this was not staged. <laughs> and I did not know that I was really asking that question because I, I want to know. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and I'll, I'll second that. That was not preset. But um, yeah, so the the, art, the analysts are talking about it um, as a category now, identity orchestration. Uh, a lot of interesting use cases, like you can use it for anti-fraud, you can use it for modernization, you can use it for uh, passwordless authentication, you can use it for uh, really cool user journeys if you want to have a very tailored, personalized experience. So all of these things are what we think of as recipes or use cases that um, people can do with this really interesting new way of thinking about identity. And, um, you know, all of the, and, and also with, you asked about Gartner, they had uh, published around uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, uh, a piece around an identity fabric. So the same notion of making everything in the infrastructure work together, uh, they're on top of that as well. So there's some good research that they've been writing about. Um, and now it's a, if you go to trade shows, you'll see uh, different vendors that are talking about it. So we're really excited about it been doing it for now we turn four in two weeks and it's been a great ride you you've you've heard of uh, cia the triad of security confidentiality integrity and availability and i'm just trying to see like where does this identity access and orchestration what what does this sit like when let's say a a ciso is really concerned about the risk exposure and the posture of their company. Does this sit on the front end before to help keep the environment secure, keep the bad guys out? Or does it sit more on the the back end after someone has gotten in and gotten access to, to the environment? Where, where does this sit in that puzzle? Yeah, where, where you would deploy orchestrators are in front of your application behind your load balancers. So um, that's a very common uh, way to deploy. Uh, they're internet facing, they're hardened, they're able to uh, sit right out on the internet in a um, very trusted, reliable, secure way. Um, so that's way to think about where to put them in a network topography. If you think about them in the context of a proxy, then you want to have the proximity between the orchestrator and the app as close as possible. Um, and you'll use that if you're if you're managing HTTP traffic. If you're using the orchestrator as uh, an OpenID connector or OIDC provider or a uh, SAML provider, then you can put them out on the internet as well. And they can act as, you know, in essence, almost like a relay, if you will. So easy to think about where to distribute them. We have this notion of an air gap architecture. So think about the software being distributed. It's this small operational executable orchestrator. And you sprinkle them around, as our co-founder says, like grains of sand. And you can now have them in different uh, public clouds. You can have them on your private cloud. You can put them in. Um, there's some exciting work that we're doing to push them into 5G network towers because um, that's this distributed architecture where you take that 
zero trust kind of enforcement point and you push it to where it needs to be as close to the applications. And if your applications are distributed widely, then this becomes a very natural way to um, kind of meet your identity with your distributed apps. And when you push policy, you configure it in the cloud and then you publish policy as discrete secure text files that, that get pushed into the orchestrator, it reads it. Why that's important? The orchestrator never calls home. It doesn't phone home and say, hey, should Eric have access to this application? Everything it needs to know is right next, is in part of that orchestrator. So you get incredibly high performance because it's all in memory and it's all distributed right next to the application. So uh, I think it'll be an interesting future for distributed platforms. Nice. And maybe one more question before we begin to wrap up here. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question around success stories. Like you, you've heard of ransomware before that success story. Like ransomware, it's it's happening a lot. You know, we're seeing numbers increase. And I mean, mom and pop stores, hospitals, police uh, stations and local governments and uh, DMVs. I mean, literally the list goes on. You hear a story that uh, someone has been ransomed with ransomware and files encrypted and even backups, right, have been targeted. Individuals haven't been able to recover successfully and have to end up paying the ransom. Now, you, you've seen cyber insurance rise as a result of that. Is, is there any, I guess, what's your perspective around cyber insurance and ransomware as it pertains to uh, identity management? Well, uh, it's, that's a loaded question because I think <laughs> uh, most common uh, vulnerability that is exploited is weakness because of um, password credential theft. And when you think about the various ways people get your password, could start with a phishing attack, could start with you know a directory attack. There's all sorts of ways that people get your password, and that. I think if people want to protect themselves, get rid of the password. Uh, first thing that you can do is um, deploy a passwordless solution. And the alternative, there's a lot of different cool technologies to do this with, but one that's really nice because it's it's very ubiquitous and built into most people's computers today is called Passkeys. And um, FIDO is the organization, the kind of body that created the, the standard that Apple and Google and Microsoft all also support. So laptops and phones all kind of work together. And what this does is gets rid of the uh, need to have a password that someone can steal and instead authenticate you, you with often with the biometric reader on your phone or your thumbprint reader on your phone or, you know, different ways that people um, authenticate to the machine. So. You get rid of passwords. Now you shut off one of the biggest parts of your attack surface. And when you think about that as the vector that so many of these uh, ransomware attacks are happening on, the sooner you do that, the better, because you can prevent it rather than respond to it. And that's always going to be an easier way to go. Okay. And uh, give, give me a, sto a quick story around... Um, someone that you've helped, especially uh, just from a migration perspective, to kind of get a hold and wrap their arms around 
identity management and, and orchestration? Yeah. So, you know, working with a, a lot of financial institutions um, and uh, one in particular is the uh, biggest credit union in the United States. And they have been working with uh, 15, almost 20 year old uh, investment in a product that uh, is called SiteMinder. And that uses very antiquated, outdated product capabilities. And um, the institution, what they, the company wanted to move off of it because they were spending way too much money, throwing money into technical debt and wasn't getting the outcome that they wanted. And so they said, hey, why don't we switch over to the cloud-based identity? And we brought our uh, partner, Microsoft, into there and we said, hey, um, you want to go to the to the Azure AD world that's got all the new capabilities that you care about, but we don't want to rewrite these several hundred applications. And so what we did was we used identity orchestration and put the abstraction layer in place uh, with these orchestrators. And now whenever someone goes to access the application, the orchestrator, instead of looking at the old legacy identity system, it'll query the cloud-based identity system and the application is none the wiser and no users are confused with a different account or anything like that. Just work the same the day after as the day before. And by doing that, we've saved them an untold hundred plus years of manual work and millions of dollars of refactoring applications. And uh, they're really happy because now they can use all these new cool stuff for innovation instead of spending it on technical debt. Okay. Yeah, that that's a, a very nice story. And it sounds like they can keep that legacy application around for a little bit if they don't quite trust the new solution. And uh, let's say 90 days or 120 days, we'll keep, keep the old solution in just in case there's any hiccups. Uh, or at least that's the old way uh, individuals used to do it. Uh, with a new solution, let's let's keep the old one around in case someone cries. But um, <laughs> well, what, it's easier to turn it off when it costs you millions of dollars every year. So um, okay, and that that is exactly what they do. They decommission, mm-hmm. and shut down the hardware. They don't even have the servers anymore because right. everything now runs in the cloud. So that's it's a nice clean break. And shut down the virtual machines, right? Stop consuming that that cost. Right. Uh, and the big hyperscaler. And uh, I, I see quite a few books on the shelf there. Maybe one book recommendation from you before before we uh, get out of here. Ooh, one book recommendation. What, what are you reading? What are you reading these days? Right now I'm reading uh, a lot around AI. And okay. I just finished a good book. It's called um, AI, Our Final Invention. Uh, okay. It's about the uh, downside risks of AI and the reasons that we need to be uh, thinking about how to work with it in a responsible, safe way. And um, it, it was a really good book. Just kind of went by very quickly. Uh, Give me a lot to think about, if I'm honest. And a lot of the work that we're doing with AI here at Strata, uh, I want to be responsible about what we're doing. And, um, and it's been a good, uh, you know, good book to read, Our Final Invention. Well, nice. Um, Gumbo listeners, you have uh, another book recommendation there. Please go out and, and take a look and check that book out as well. And uh, also, any any final shout outs or anything else that you would like to mention here, Eric? Yeah, well, if, if this uh, 
conversation about identity orchestration is interesting to uh, anyone in the audience. Uh, we'd love to have you visit our website and we have a fun thing called the Identity Use Case Challenge. And um, you can basically throw a use case to us, really crazy hard one around identity. And we'll show you how you can do that and implement that with identity orchestration. And we'll, de we'll demonstrate it for you and give you a pair of Apple AirPod or yeah, AirPod earphones. So the pro model and uh, love to have you. If you're interested, take a look at strata.io slash podcast. We'd love to see you. All right. I, I need some new AirPods. So uh, I may cook up something. I'm just kidding, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, definitely, yeah. Eric. It has uh, been a pleasure. I've walked away uh, with some insight and some nuggets uh, based on our conversation. So uh, super thrilled to have you on. And hopefully we can get you back on again in the future. And uh, un until next time, before, though, I let everyone go, I want to remind you to go out to Apple and write us a short review because those reviews help. And uh, also, I have a Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group, and there's over about 25,000 of your peers and colleagues in security and data protection and backup and recovery in that group. I'll have lots of great conversations as well. So uh, go check out the group as well. And don't forget to leave that that Apple review. All right. Until next time, stay secure and back up often. Thanks for having me.